Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 50 or oh, 57, 58, something like that. 58, sir. 58. We've got plenty to get around. There was an El Clasico, there was Champions League, there was some Europa League. Yes, we're going to do it, West Ham fans. We're going to do it because you guys are so massive, etc. There's people tying themselves to goalposts at football grounds. Arsenal are over-celebrating like they've won the bloody league, the knobheads. Um, but as, in, as is a night shift football tradition, we have to start, when this happens on a weekend, we have to start the pod by having a good chuckle. And uh, once again, PSG have come undone. They've lost 3-0 at home, uh, not at home, away to Monaco. And we're going to laugh about it, aren't we, Tommy? We are. I mean, I can see why you slipped up. It's the home of many of the bank accounts of the players that play there. True. Ha, 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 ha. PSG lose again. Yeah. Glad we got that oh, out of the way. That wasn't me laughing at my own joke. Uh, it sounded like you were. Would I do that? Am I so... No, let's not go and do it. Look, the title race is on. Marseille, they're coming in, man. Well, yeah, Marseille now only 12 points behind. Only 12. They can uh, do it. May as well so be. what happened in England? It may as well be 40, I reckon. Oh. Uh, it's, it's like we've said all along. They're just... PSG going to win it in a canter, but... Uh, no one else is good enough to kind of keep up with them, but it's still funny when they lose games like this and they got absolutely spanked. Um, alternatively, if we move across and we talk about our Classico, you shared this tweet w- with me this morning. Obviously, Aubameyang got up and about, scored a double, got an assist as well. Um, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, this is from whoscored.com, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has played a direct hand in eight goals in his first six League appearances for Barcelona. As many as Neymar has managed for Paris Saint-Germain all season. Can you believe it? I can believe it. Neymar is a relic of himself and Uba is, you know, prime Bumiang now. This reborn. Is reborn. Mate, we're going back to the golden age. And we saw the golden age Barca kit and Madrid's away kit as well. Why were they both wearing away kits? I don't know, but I think if... If you wear your away kit at home, you deserve to lose 4 0. So I think so. That's what they did. They actually put in an away performance. That's they, how it works. I thought I thought they started well. The, the first 10 minutes they were finding like Vinicius wide and cutting inside and getting getting shots on goal and stuff. But geez, they were exposed quickly. Their midfield and their defensive setup was just not at all there. Nah, and uh Bomiang took full advantage. He's found his uh Seems to have found his mojo again. A bit of a change of scenery. Fresh manager getting away from Arsenal. Um, I don't know. He He's always been a class striker. He just kind of lost the plot there for just a few months. And it looked like he wasn't really buying into what Arteta wanted. He was maybe just living the party life in London. Um, now he gets away, starts fresh again. And he's back to, back to the Aubameyang we knew and loved. And can know yeah. and love again. Do you think he just maybe respects Xavi a little bit more than Arteta? Maybe. Um, it's a, I think we'll come to it later when we talk about Arsenal's over-celebrating, but they all, there's this reputation that's been around for a few years now that like, there's, it's like a bit of a, Arsenal's a bit of a party place where players go and just kind of have a good time. Uh, you know, the winning and losing doesn't matter a whole heap. Everyone's just out there vibing and putting up videos of everyone having a laugh at training and chuckling at each other. So uh, 
I don't know, maybe he was he was just distracted by it and didn't, I don't know, lost sight of his, uh, I don't know, his professionalism, his lost motivation for really digging in and doing his best. And now he seems to have got it back because uh, Xavi's got them ticking Barcelona. Yeah, this is a great side. They're so fluent in attack again and scoring just ridiculous goals. Like the, the you know, the second goal, I think it's a Rejo. Um, yep. But decent goal. Main takeaway from that one is what is going on with this guy's head? Is he, is, is he supposed to look like this? Was this planned? It's the old uh, blonde kind of microphone hair thing going on. I don't know how it works. Yeah, but he's, he almost he's, looks like that villain out of the Tom Hanks film, the bloody Da Vinci Code. He's dangerously close to albino territory, this guy. I, I don't even know what you're referring to. Crazy eyes, Sam. Crazy eyes. The third goal, though, is where I'm getting, and it's, that was vintage Barcelona. Yeah, Bamiang, uh, that's the little the little back heel kind of flick to Ferran Torres, who yeah. buries it top corner, kind of top corner, but Ferran Torres has been excellent as well. Um, they just they seem to have just really turned it around so well, and they're they're good to watch when they get it going. I talked about him last season, but that young uh, the young Spaniard Pedri, obviously everyone got a chance to see him at the Euros, but he's he dominates games in that midfield. He's he played alongside Busquets today, but. We've seen him do it a lot of times where he's played in Busquets' role and he can just kind of do it all in midfield there. Yeah, more than more than equips himself. That was a really good like tactical decision by Xavi. It, it, there was a few that trumped Ancelotti on the, on the day. Um, but, you know, the combination of Pedri and uh, Xavi as well was just like, it's insane. They've got two of the best young midfielders in the world and they're probably going to keep them together. Like, you know, you couldn't see them going anywhere else, especially if they start winning games and doing doing things, uh, you know, in Spain and in Europe again. They just, you know, Barca looked more committed and they were more intense in the press and they were winning balls effectively in like really dangerous areas. And that's that's how the third goal came about. And you just saw it, like you said earlier, they could have won five, six, seven. Yeah, they, they could have won this so easily, especially in that second half there. It just seemed like they were creating chance after chance and kind of butchering them. Uh, that'll just, come. Just for fun. That was the party boy in him. A couple of notes on Real Madrid I've got here. I asked you this morning, said we'd talk about it on here, but starting Luka Modric as a striker because Benzema is out. Uh, is this a yay or a nay when you've got two strikers on the bench, Luka Jovic and Mariano Diaz, both, both on the bench. I believe Diaz came on and did play a part in the second half, but... Um, yeah, what do you what do you think of that? Starting the center mid up front when you've got strikers on the bench. Yeah, there's there's room for it if it works, and it looks like they're taking notes out of the Croatia uh, uh, European uh, finals where they they played Modric as a second striker. They played him in a more advanced role as kind of false nine or a false ten or whatever. But why would you spend sixty million euros on Jovic if you're not going to start him in absence of Benzema? Just you completely change the attacking shape when you do this. They did spend a lot of money on him after his one big breakout season. At uh, I think it was at Eintracht Frankfurt. I think someone Google it. Um, That's a good guess. But he he had a massive breakout year, and they broke the bank on him and went big. And he barely sees any playtime. Um, the only thing I can think is maybe because Benzema kind of does that hold up role. That's what they're thinking. Like get a midfielder in there to do it. I don't know. Uh, to me, it just weakens your midfield because you're taking out your best midfielder and put him up front. Uh, to me, got it all wrong. Ancelotti got it all wrong. 
Uh, the other one I have is we haven't really talked about it, but Eden Hazard. I was talking to a few people this morning while watching it, and it was like, how like when this guy moved from Chelsea to Real Madrid, I thought he was going to be stepping up to like Ballon d'Or type territory, and yeah. it's on the shoulders just, of Messi, Ronaldo. Yeah. yeah, no, he just seems to have dropped off the planet and um, can't get a gig. Doesn't he like? Doesn't he even make an appearance off the bench? He's almost going through a Bale spec experience at Real Madrid, but mm. not in the way that Bale kind of lost interest and alienated himself. It just, it looks like Hazard doesn't know how to play football anymore. Or woke, just, yeah, he no woke, up, woke up one day and just forgot how to football and now it's gone. Like, it's, it's Space Jam, but in, in Madrid. And he had, I know when he, when he got there, didn't he have a, he had a few injury setbacks, didn't he? I think like so, a yeah. Few, a few niggly ones here and there, but. Even still now, he just he seems to have just never come back from it. Where like when Bale went over there, he had an immediate impact and was huge for That's them. Right. He we won them a Champions League final as well, even Pretty after much, all yeah. that. Um, but yeah, this Hazard, it's just not happened, and I I don't know if it ever is going to happen now. No, probably not at Madrid anymore. But there was always there's always chatter of him going back to Chelsea. But given everything that's happening and uh, in, in the blue part of London. Uh, you know, has they're not going to be able to pay his wages unless he comes back for absolutely nothing. Who knows what's happening with him, man? Um, unfortunate because he was a brilliant Premier League footballer. Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll wind it back to last week's Champions League. Um, firstly, your the probably the shock result was Benfica knocking out Ajax. This hurt you, didn't it? Oh, man, it did. I didn't have any money on it this time, so they couldn't go into multi killers, but. You know, after the first leg, like I said, I was really impressed with Benfica. I hadn't seen a lot of them. And they had them, you know, they had this in them, I suppose, um, given, you know, what we saw in the in, in the previous tie. So all power to them. I just, yeah, I shouldn't have written them off so quickly. Um, they've got some good stories in the team. And the draw's out, isn't it? I just, I can't, I haven't seen it. Yeah, they've the made the draw the, for the quarters. The draw is out. So you've got uh, Benfica, got Liverpool. Uh, we got Man City, oh, Atletico, rough. and and Chelsea, Madrid, and Villarreal, Bayern. So we'll get to those teams in a sec. But yeah, yeah. Well, best best of luck to Benfica, man. They're technically <laughs> really good, and you know, flair team. And I think you can maybe see them scoring a goal. But I don't know. Liverpool yeah. are in that mood, aren't they? Yeah, they are. So, um, of course, that game was Wednesday morning. The other one that morning <laughs> that we get a good giggle out of. Atletico went to Old Trafford, and no. as I believe I predicted, Atletico going through. Did I? Did I? I think that? almost word for word for this game. Actually, went. I may have. I actually can't remember. I might have backed Man United there. <laughs> Either way, I'm happy it was Atletico. Uh, Ronaldo proving us right last week after that brilliant hat trick against Spurs, papered over the cracks, and then was an absolute shadow um, at Old Trafford in this return leg. Atletico doing their usual thing, sitting in. Hitting on the break, creating a few chance. They create a lot of chances on the break, um, and they did it again. Griezmann with a lovely ball over after a good run from Jaff Felix, and Renan Lodi finishes Atletico through. Just a debacle for Man United. Another season where they're not going to win anything. Um, and didn't they vent their frustration? Did you see the the beers and the projectiles raining down upon yeah. Simeone as he left the field? <laughs> he legged it's- it off pretty quick. Yeah, he probably did the right thing, you know, because, you know, if he was a slow sort of celebratory look towards 
the home fans, it may not have ended that well. That's frustration, not just at him, obviously, but at the whole system and the setup. And yeah, you know, we we you know we do take the piss out of Man United a lot, but for this to continually happen, you know, they're not. I'm, it's going to sound like I'm going to take the piss again, but they're not in that upper echelon club anymore, and they're really struggling to even establish themselves as you know, like a contender in amongst the Champions League qualifiers or, yeah, you know, reaching this stage of the competition most seasons isn't, isn't the way forward for them. And, you know, it's funny now and it'll funny be funny into the future, but they've got some huge issues to sort out. Yeah, definitely. They do. Um, we they, can't, can't even re- they can't even rescue it with like a Europa League win either because they've, <laughs> they've gone out too late. No, we, we can't. Uh, we've, we've gone over it to death. Um, we can go over it again another time if we get a Man United fan on, like we keep saying we will. But so far, yeah. no one has uh, stepped up to the plate. So weird. So weird. Step up. I know there's a few of you out there listening. Step up to the plate. Come on. Uh, moving on to the Thursday games, uh, Chelsea kind of took care of it pretty standard 2-1 as we thought they might. But the big shock, I think, at the Allianz, Villarreal defeating Juve 3-0 to go through. Uh, wow, did you see this coming? It was no, not at all. It was almost the perfect week for you personally, wasn't it? With the team getting dumped out. <laughs> this, I look, I saw a little bit of this game, so extended parts of it. And if the Juve Villarreal, uh, if this isn't like the worst match throughout the, the rest of the competition, something has gone seriously wrong in the quarters and the semis because this was dog shit for most parts. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great. I don't know if you're being a little harsh. I think the the uh, Villarreal goalkeeper, what was his name? What was his name? I've got it here in front of me. Uh, Geronimo Rulli was excellent in the first half. Some huge saves off Murata and some others. And then got late in the game and they just Villarreal just pushed on, won a penalty. And from there, they just didn't let go. Some poor marking from a corner by Juve. Saw him score again. And then another... Penalty. I don't know if you saw the third goal for Villarreal, but they got on the break. At this point, Juve are really chasing it, and they had like two men back against four, and Dilit kind of saved one with his hand. Penalty again. It's, uh, it's interesting, don't you think? In, in a wider, in a wider context of the Spanish sides that have gone through, and that we have, you know, Real Atleti and Villarreal now into the into the last. We're in the last eight now, like. That's a pretty good testament to Spanish football when I think most people have gone off it a little bit in recent years. How about this? Juve have gone out now in successive seasons to Ajax, Porto, Lyon, Villarreal. This is not a this is not a club built for the Champions League anymore, is it? Uh, no, they don't look it. They they're clinging on to a or not clinging on. I guess they're they're in the like the lower Champions League spots in Italy now as well. Uh, their squad is kind of someone. I remember someone messaging me the day of the game saying uh, Juventus's starting lineup was trash. Um, and then I looked through it and like, yeah, there's no Dybala, but that actually is their. That's their team. Like, that's how it is. That's uh, aside from maybe Daniele Rugani, it's pretty well full strength. That side they had out there, they don't have anything else. That is their squad. Um, you know, so they're gonna have to get better if they want to. They, this is a side that were such big advocates to go join the Super League when all that shit went down. And here they are getting knocked out by Villarreal out of the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. This is probably why. Maybe because they know now that they're so indebted and cannot 
rejuvenate this side with the investment that they think that they need. They've got to go and close the funds, get you know the secured revenue and able to compete in the coming years. Yep, definitely. Um, move over to some Europa League just quickly. <laughs> I know you don't want to do this, but we have to shout out to our West Ham fans because uh, we've slagged we've slagged them a bit in their drop off in the Premier League, but they've kept the run going in the Europa League. They've knocked Sevilla out of their own tournament, um, going into extra time. Yarmolenko with the the decisive goal. The atmosphere in London for that game was unreal, and they're now through to a European quarterfinal. Congratulations to the massivest club in England, without a doubt. Most massivest. Uh, mo- the, the massive of London, L- L- London massive, whatever it is. Yarmolenko has been incredible since he's come back from um, you know, the, the time off that he took once the, the war started. Really, he's come off, he came off the bench in the Premier League and lit it up uh, maybe last weekend it was. And in this game, scoring the goal, obviously, Antonio assist was brilliant. And they are, they're purring. They're purring in Europe. And if this, maybe they give up the race for the top four. Maybe they think, okay, Spurs and Arsenal are going to get the job done there. How about we just win the Europa League? Well, it's not too far off. Like they are a genuine, they're a genuine shot at this tournament. I mean, when you look at the other sides that are left in these quarterfinals, like Leipzig v Atalanta, neither side really going all that strongly and definitely beatable for West Ham in, in London, especially um, Frankfurt, Barcelona, Frankfurt, Barcelona is another one that's Barcelona is probably the question mark with the way Xavi's got them going, but I'd be backing mm. West Ham to beat Frankfurt. For uh, sure. Could you Braga, imagine a yeah, Barcelona West Ham final? Oh, imagine it. The scenes. That that would be a really great spectacle. And I would love to see that. It would be cool. Um Braga versus Rangers. Like Ooh. imagine a West Ham Rangers final. It, <laughs> it sickens me that <laughs> Rangers could be in a European semi-final. But uh, this is the, brilliant. the extra game's good for them. I, I can see Rangers hundred percent knocking out Braga for sure. Probably, um, yeah. And West Ham have Leon, which Another one, I think, away, tough, but at home, probably good enough to knock them out. That's a really interesting tie because, I mean, if you got any of the other teams in there, you think you could definitively say whether they would win or lose. But, yeah, this is – I don't know, Leon, because it really does depend who turns up on the day with this side. Um, they've, they've pulled off some yep. really good results this season and have been on the end of capitulations and heavy defeats. So this is this West Ham run's given me kind of Fulham um, – Fulham turn of the year vibes. Was it turn of the year? Maybe it was a little bit, little bit uh, beyond I'm that. I'm not sure. When I remember the, was in goals. They made all their way to the final. Fulham? Mm, Fulham I remember yeah. the Middlesbrough one. Middlesbrough oh, maybe it was Middlesbrough. With Freddie Canute. Uh, no, they played Sevilla. No, it was they Fulham. It was Fulham. Bobby Zamora and Zoltan Guerra. I don't remember. I remember a Middlesbrough one where they, they made the final and I think they lost to Sevilla 3-0. Freddie Canute. Someone can pull me up on that if I'm almost certainly wrong. But in my <laughs> head, it's in my head, there's a Middlesbrough v Severe UEFA Cup final. To address this, we should do a, a Europa League final special episode. We won't. <laughs> if West Ham, if West Ham make it. We, we won't do it. The classic models. Um, you gotta sign up to Patreon. The Patreon they, we don't have. They also, I think they're like the once they do the quarterfinals, they put them on either side of the draw. So the semi-final draw is essentially done as well. But I don't have it in front of me, so um, 
I you couldn't just tell guess. you. I couldn't Everyone tell you just who guess. goes through. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that West Ham will play the if they go through will play the winner of Braga and Rangers, and that would see them. I've got them making the final if that's the case. That's spicy, but well. I could be wrong. Or... No, no, I back you in on that. West Ham Barcelona <laughs> final, lock it in, lock it in. Hey, you wanted to talk about uh, some kind of non-football stuff, but it is football stuff. Uh, we've seen some people pulling out some interesting acts of. Uh, I don't know, self, self-lynching, self-mutilation, a little bit of tying bit of kinky choking. Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that's best left in the bedroom, isn't it? Just... Bit, bit Mike Hutchins, isn't it? <laughs> Just dressed up as the Riddler from the new Batman. <laughs> don't get it. Um, uh, that's that's for all my Batman fans out there. Uh, yeah, incredible scenes at Goodison Park <laughs> as this fan ties himself to the post in a bright orange shirt saying, uh, just stop oil. And he doesn't really specify which oil, but you know, I guess it's not any of the basic ones you find in, in Sammy's kitchen when he's whipping up a storm. No. No, and I can cook. I'm telling you that, I can cook. They, uh, I, I think we all know the point he's trying to make. Not sure the phrase "stop oil" is necessarily. <laughs> is, it it's, is it the most nuanced take on it that we've ever had? Is it the most direct take? It's it's pretty. It's pretty. You know, it's there. It can be interpreted I mean, many ways. This is. I mean, this is on the back of. It, it almost happened at the Emirates in the Arsenal Liverpool game. Someone got onto the field, but because it's so yeah, it's so long to get to the pitch. You didn't they make didn't, it. They didn't make it past the advertising hoarding. I don't think. No, no. And someone attempted it in the Leeds-Wolves game as well. But again, same thing. They were quickly snuffed out. But this guy has somehow managed to get his fucking zip tie around his neck on the post. No yeah. one stopped him in time. The, the best part of the whole thing, obviously, is the guy coming out with the comically large bolt cutters and really <laughs> heave-hoeing into this motherfucker. Yeah. Trying not to nip like a, like a, a major artery or anything in his neck. Yeah. But really, really trying to get him off of this goalpost. It reminds me of... Uh... We're, we're very off topic. It's not really football related at all, but a friend I played football with, not naming any names, uh, stuck a padlock through his earlobe, I think, once. Like, a, <laughs> like an earring and then locked it and they couldn't, like, lost the key. So they had to, like, bolt cutter it off of his ear. And I think it was just terrifying for everyone involved. We thought there was going to be ears everywhere, but there's a fun story. That's weak. As a result, he should have just kept it on there for the rest of his life until it rusted and fell off in its own time. There was also a protest in Dundee, wasn't there? There was. Uh, tennis balls on the pitch. What? Where does tennis balls come from? I don't understand this method. I much, much prefer the zip tie around the boats. Uh, so, yeah, we're referring to the Rangers fans' protest against... Uh, playing in the Sydney Super Cup, they're calling it next uh, this later this year, um, November this year, where they're planning on playing a friendly against Celtic. Um, both the the supporters of both clubs have kind of been pretty against this. Celtic did a similar tennis ball protest. I I don't know why tennis balls, but they did a similar thing a little while back in relation to uh, someone joining the club in like a like a, a board role or something like that that they didn't approve of. So they just launched all these tennis balls on the field and then Rangers have gone and done it for in protest of this Super Cup. There was a, maybe not last week, the week before, both clubs protested it again at the first announcement of it. 
Um, both sets of supporters in Scotland don't seem very happy about this. Should should this be going ahead, really? If if the fans aren't on board, should this be a thing? I don't know. Uh, I kind of... Nah, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I think they need to grow up. Like Ambivalence. This is... These are the exact sort of Scottish football fans who are stuck in the dark ages and think that um, they think they own their respective clubs and they think that like those clubs don't have any supporters elsewhere around the world. They're both massive. They're global football clubs. There's people all over the world that want a chance to see them play. I guess the, the most, uh, the part they're protesting the most is the idea of playing a friendly derby, which has never happened before. But again, like just, just get over it, I think. I don't know. I, I'm kind of on their game. side. I think it may be like watering down the importance of that that kind of thing where you have these arch rivals who, I mean, I guess they do play each other a lot. And if they're successful in a season, they may play each other five or six times. But yeah, to, to take it in this sanitized, commercialized kind of, you know, tour around the world here, try and, I don't know. It always struck me as kind of weird off topic again, but when Liverpool bring... Uh, you never walk alone, and they, you know, you, you'll play. You'll be the home team. You'll be Adelaide United playing them in the uh, in Adelaide Oval. <laughs> yeah, and you know the the last thing you hear before kickoff is you'll never walk alone, and it's like, yeah, it's like I don't know. Doesn't that kind of lose the specter and the the, the essence of the the? Whole I don't thing? know. I don't know if it does. It's um, it's a chance for fans who otherwise wouldn't get the opportunity. I know it's easy to say like, oh, if you, you know, if you cared enough about it, you'd go over there. And like yeah, I don't try agree. to attend I don't one. Agree with that. Not everyone is going to be in a position in their life where they can afford to take a European holiday to watch their mm. teams play. And for the stuff like the Liverpool coming here, it, obviously that's what's selling it. It's the it's a Liverpool experience. Like when they played at the MCG and Adelaide Oval. Same thing. Yeah. When teams like that come over here, it's for that experience. You're not going to watch Adelaide United or Sydney or whoever. You're going to watch, you know, the Speak Premier League yourself. side. Well, those those fans are, yeah. fans of that club are. Um, yeah, I know you mean. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for protests in football, by the way. Let's keep them coming. Every week, there's a new one. I wonder what next week will be. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Just keep, yeah, so people keep jumping the fences with shirts on. Did you see yeah. that one in, uh, I think it was in Romania, where they they all wore shirts with letters on them, intending to say stop war, but they stood backwards. And I think it just said raw pots. <laughs> It's the intention that counts, okay? Their hearts does, are in yeah. it. Yeah, Their hearts were in it, but... English is a hard language. <laughs> but it said raw pots at the end of the day. <laughs> Look, if you Google it, I'm sure someone's bought the domain now and it's going to redirect to like a Ukrainian fund. So it's all good, guys. Raw pots. Raw pots will stop the war. Should we talk about the Premier League? The English First Division? The First Division. Where, do we, want to, where do we want to start with this this week? I guess quick mention to the... The game in which the fan did tie himself to the goal. Oh, uh, yeah. Iwobinho scored the winner for Everton late just to kind of keep... I think it, we're almost at the point where we can just about cement those bottom three in, I reckon. Because um, Everton and Newcastle keep getting points. Leeds have started getting points. So, yeah. Leeds won again in, as well. So uh, Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced. That's a big win for Everton. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but they followed it up. I think they lost again this morning. I can't I can't tell you exactly who, but they... Uh, I think my, the funniest part about the protest was 
all the people complaining that like it halted the game. And it's like, you need to check your head if you're upset that that game was halted. Newcastle Everton was an abomination of a football match. And that's why yeah. a lot of these, a lot of these are at the moment down, down in the bottom half. Um, on the contrary though, Leeds Wolves was an absolute classic. Yeah, it was. Uh, just before we get to it, I'll cut you off. And Everton's game today was, uh, we're recording this, what, Monday night? Their yep. Monday morning game was postponed against Watford. So, Oh, um, okay. So you they know, bank one. They win that against Watford. I'm pretty confident to knock those bottom three down. But yeah, the, uh, the game from Saturday morning, the Wolves-Leeds game, um, I got up and saw the second half of this and just the absolute scenes and the noise at the Molyneux for both sides. Good football end-to-end, both teams trying to score goals and Leeds just snagging late ones these days. Where I don't know where this has come from. This is all mental. It's all, you know, playing for the club. And because you just, you can't break the kind of run that they were on with the injury crisis that we're having. I mean, to use all four subs in the game for injuries, it's just, it, it's beyond belief, man. A concussion sub, the keepers come off, two first yeah. half subs, two nil down at half time. You know, it's just, everything is looking terrible. I'm messaging you and saying, we're down. That's it. We're done. There's no coming back. I think I've said that a few times already this season. Oh, so many times. Uh, But it's just... If I can share with the listeners also, it's often... If there's a Leeds game on and I haven't been up to see it, I wake up in the morning and there will just be like 30 messages in a row. And at least every third one is capital letters, just send us down. Send us down. Well, we do play that poorly. The first half was a similar experience. There was I couldn't even blame the referee or couldn't blame our strikers or anything, mainly because Bamford comes off crying because he's hurt himself once more. But the turnaround is, I mean, it's down to the red card, the Jimenez red card. I, I don't know. What do you think? There was, there's been conjecture online whether that was a second yellow or not. Uh, it's, it's late and it's, I mean, when players go in that hard for the ball, you you need to either get there first or pay the price, I guess. So, price, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's it's, right. I, it wouldn't, it shouldn't have been a straight red. Definitely not. But yeah, a, a second yellow. Um, it's just unlucky. That's what happens when two players are going in hard at it for what looks like a 50, 50 and ends up becoming maybe more of a, a 52, 48. And if you're on the 48, you're copping a yellow. Yeah. And you're gone, sir. And that changed the game completely. Um, Wolves, you know, aside that, don't concede a lot of goals. And when they go ahead, they don't lose a lot of games. Really, really crumbled under the pressure. And I, again, I just, I don't think Leeds are that good. We're still finding our feet under Jesse Marsh. We changed the formation and all of that. But his elevation of Rodrigo into the leadership team has yep. paid dividends straight away because he scored two crucial goals now against Norwich and Wolves that have seen us, you know, take six points, which is just nuts. We haven't done that since September last year. So Leeds on the up. Still not out of the woods yet, but definitely on the up. Not out of the woods, but definitely on the up. Uh, someone else is on the up after we gave him a bit of a spray the other week. They've turned it around, do. but uh, Son Hyung Min is uh, back to goal-scoring ways. He got a double against West Ham. West Ham's big result in the Europa League. They had to go through extra time in that game, and that probably hurt them going into this one. But yeah. uh, Spurs just kind of keeping around there, just ticking along, doing what they need to do. Exactly. Keeping the pressure on Arsenal. Um, they are famed for keeping the pressure on teams. So they'll do that really well this season. No, it's good. It's, it's funny because their consistency lies within their win-loss, win-loss, win-loss record, which just continues to pile up at the moment. 
this is a big game for them and you know a derby of sorts I, I don't know how fiercely contested it is you would probably know better than I but one of the goals in the game was just so classic West Ham and it's the two center backs thinking it's a long ball from uh, the goalkeeper. I think Lloris was in goals, long ball over the top falls onto Harry's Harry Kane's head, but the two center backs have been totally absorbed into the contest. Yeah. Harry wins it. Son is through on goal a mile, just a mile in behind the fullbacks are pushed up. No one's on him clinical finish. And you know, that's, Pretty much sums up how Spurs cut through yeah. West Ham in this game. Definitely big because going into the game, both teams were on the same points. Spurs with um, a game in hand on West Ham, but that win now jumps Spurs up to up to fifth. So they're now they're three points behind Arsenal. Arsenal with a game in hand, but they've they've now played the same amount of games as Manchester United and uh, ahead of them. Um, yeah, Man United down to sixth. So it's all just Wolves all of a sudden back down to eighth as well. So this it shows just how quickly a run of form, over, especially when you have a week where you're playing like on the weekend, midweek, and then weekend again. You're playing three games of football and that's nine points up for grabs. And if you miss out on a couple, you are in strife if the others pick them up. Yeah, no, exactly. And Brentford are finding that again. They're getting clawed back into a relegation dogfight they don't want to. Newcastle are dropping points again, so... It's all over the place. Yeah. Uh, it was it was Palace that spanked Everton uh, on the weekend uh, in the FA Cup, though four 0 Ah, ah, I see, I see. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about the FA Cup, kind of. Yeah, did I? I think because there was no boilovers, like Chelsea beat Borough, Liverpool beat Forest, so it's just yeah. I did see, work. I did see the scores of those games, and I completely forgot about the the one from the day before. Um, who was going to oh, Arsenal with the other side? They played twice over the last few days. They a loss at home to Liverpool, 2 0, and then going away to Villa, very important to bounce back. And they did so with a 1 0 win and then have once again been accused of over celebrating. What do you make of this? How is this a thing? How can you possibly over celebrate a victory? I, where is this? Is it sour grapes? Is it just this kind of I don't know, couth English mentality seeping back into the game, this very prim proper humility that should well, not be tolerated. Well, it's, like <laughs> it's it's come from Ashley Young, but the time before it came from Ruben Neves. Um there's there seems to be players getting around that are really salty about Arsenal getting getting results. And I've I've got some theories, but uh what do you reckon? I'd I would just like to point to Gabby at, at Bonglahor's comments he also chimed in obviously Aston Villa legend oh did he uh, the way Arsenal celebrated it was like they'd won the Champions League the scenes from the players it was <laughs> like they'd won the league I think they overdid the celebrations this is obviously on talk sport and this is when Gabby turns gobby and it's all it's all for clicks it's all for shares yeah. and stuff like that but just to really point you, pinpoint you the lost me at talk sport yeah to, but just to really pinpoint hypocrisy this time last year he was commenting on Steven Gerrard's Oh, maybe not this time last year, but in the end of 2021, Steven Gerrard was up and about celebrating an Aston Villa win and he was all for it. So I guess it suits when it's your side. Steve, and, what? Say that again. Uh, so he, he commented on Steven Gerrard celebrating a victory for Aston Villa. And he when he was saying uh, late last year. Oh, maybe okay. So Might have been one of his first year. ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just lost me for a while there. I was thinking, who was at Rangers? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the 
I think a big part of this is I think teams always, for the last 10 years or more probably, at home against Arsenal, teams have fancied themselves. And they've got it circled. They know that this is a chance to knock off a a, a big club. You know, I'm using the quote marks thing that, you know, when we always said the big four in England and Arsenal were part of that big four. Um, And, but then they were seen as a weak side who you could bully at home or you could bully at the Emirates as well sometimes. Um, And you, there were, there were points to be had there against the top side and Arsenal lately are not that side anymore. They are, they're still not quite up to it for like the big boys, but like, you know, who is up to facing Liverpool and Manchester city these days? No, nobody. Um, they, so like they've, they've turned that around big time. They've built this kind of winning culture. Remember what I said to you earlier about like a bummy Yang and the, this kind of party vibe at Arsenal. Mm. They've managed to kind of like the upside to that is this kind of camaraderie and stuff. I know that's all kind of cliche stuff, but you know, a real mentality amongst the team of getting around each other. And that's why their celebrations have been so big this year, because they've also turned that into a winning mentality. And when they do get big results like this, they're getting around each other. People also failed to notice that Bernd Leno played on the weekend in goals for Arsenal instead of Ramsdale for the first time in quite a while. And he had some big moments and he made a save near the end and the crowd were getting around him and then all the players ran to get around him and it was just, it was just good. And the club's just moving up. They're on a high at the moment. Yeah, it's good. It's it, like, it illustrates a club that's moving in like a singular direction. And I've seen comments. Togetherness. Saying to us, yeah. Togetherness, you know, har- harmony, harmony day, harmonious. <laughs> they, they're all, you know, they're pulling in. Uh, I, I read somewhere that they're all playing cup finals now. And I, that's another cliche, but these guys are celebrating a lot of their cup finals when they win. Yep. Just on your on your earlier point, Arsenal, uh, points after 28 Premier League games last season, 38. This season, 54. Points taken from Leicester, Wolves, and Aston Villa last season, 3 out of 18. This season, 18 out of 18. Yeah. That goes into what you're saying about you can't compete with the big boys yet, but what you have to do is take points off of those guys just below you, and that's what they're doing. The teams that you should be beating is they're the one you got to lock them in, and that's what they weren't doing in recent years. And now they've started doing that and look what it does for you. Um, yeah, they've come a long way, man. Yeah. I, I want to take the chance to have a bit of a dig at the Guardian as well because they don't do this. I know. I really like the Guardian Football Weekly. Um, they're good. But the other week they did the same old – when was it? It was a few weeks back now. They did the same old cliche kind of jokes about Arsenal and the – you know. Oh, they were talking about why Arteta should be gone. Why does he get, why is he getting this chance? They're no better than they were last year. And that just, they obviously haven't seen any games this year. They're just going off scores. Um, even if they're just going off scores, they've got, they've completely swing completely and miss. Wrong. Completely yeah. swing and miss on that one. And you could tell even in the games that Arsenal have dropped, like the Man City game where Xhaka gave away the dumb penalty late. Um, Gabriel gets sent off for being an idiot, stuff like that, where still the actual football and the intent has been worlds further ahead than it was last season. Last season was deplorable, but this is, uh, they look a completely different side. And uh, perhaps the loss of Aubameyang has helped as well because Lacazette seems to fit better. I think it has. I think it's helped both Barcelona and Arsenal. 
And even you saw against Liverpool, I thought Arsenal in the first half for the better team. And if they could have got a goal and really put the pressure on Liv coming into the second, it would have been a different result, I think. It's that, it's that thing where you don't take a chance against Liverpool or City and you give them a 10-minute spell and they can score twice and, and you're not getting back into it. So, yeah, they've been competitive, definitely. definitely. So I think that's that's probably all we got this week. Um, I was having a look for like like fixtures coming up, but I believe we have a week off now, don't we? It's the World Cup qualifiers. International, into lull, into dull. Into dull. Come on, this is like the last of all the quality. This sorts yeah. the men from the boys. This is it. I'm only interested in the Socceroos. Which we'll get to. Which we'll get to. That'll be coming up in, what are we up to? 58? 58.1. 58.1. You can hear us talk about Adelaide United's deplorable two games <sighs> against Western Sydney. And we'll talk a bit about the Socceroos squad and what's coming up for them. Tune in Hell for yeah. that one. Uh, keep getting around, getting around us on the socials. We love it. Keep tuning in for the streams. Spotify, Apple, or at our website, nightshiftfootball.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.